Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us today for another episode of Retailistic. Andrew Smith. Hello, Andrew. G'day, g'day, g'day. Excited to be back. Excellent. And so we are just off of Rice in Chicago, and we're going to talk about all things that we've learned and where we're going to and what we're hoping to learn. So thanks for joining us, and we'll uh, jump right into it. All right, so Andrew, I'm going to kick it off with a question to you today. Uh-oh. What was what was the most interesting thing that you learned at the conference we were at this week, which is called Rice? So the kind of it was interesting. I got the whole history of the conference too, which was that, and you may know this also, that it was originally kind of, there was like an online half and like an offline half. And so like literally the, the floor was even kind of in two different halves of the same conference. And I think it's, a, it's such an interesting way that people used to think about the world. I think I, it, it, perfect because it's such an analogy, you're right? Like it is the coming together of, like what was essentially physical with design retail that was you know three conferences really like design retail the the you know internet retailers conference and then you know retail innovation conference it's like well there is so much more like it's kind of it's funny it's like it's almost a beautiful representation of where retail is now which is like we don't delineate anymore we're all retail we've just got different functions yeah i I think also too is interesting to see that there was so much around like the the physical aspect of retail that we just don't get to see that much anymore unless you're at like a retail real estate show mm, that's true that's true all right yep let's do it and then i'll throw when i throw back to you that should be your answer because i think that's a really interesting articulation i think we are recording oh i thought we'd already started started <laughs> so we're we're in we're here oh okay <laughs> oh, and if this is it i should get into the zone i know i was like i was like this is I'm your like, this is I'm cold like, opening. Maybe this is Andrew, like on like the. <laughs> this is why I this see the this coffee hasn't kicked in yet. This I'm is like, the problem. This is it. That does not look like coffee, my friend. Um, I'm like this it's is a like iced coffee. Calm down. <laughs> sure it is. Um, <laughs> iced coffee. Yeah, that looks yeah, like iced coffee. Yeah, that looks like whiskey with an ice cube, my friend. Um, yeah. but it's all Brian good. I saw it and it's on video. It was a real coffee. I've just finished it. <laughs> Calm down with you. It's. It's also past midday on a Friday. Who would care if I was drinking a whiskey? Hey, I'm like, wait, I have to show you. Like, look, this is like the coffee cup I use now. Holy moly. <laughs> it's that like, is. I mean, it's like, I was like, I said to these guys, I'm like, I'm like, I would take a few of those cups because I'm like, you know, I could just like line them up in the morning. I could Solidly be, branded though. Be, be drinking like hot water. I'm like, it's like <laughs> just trying to like stay hydrated. So, all right. No, well, now that we've made it impossible for these guys to edit, I'll just continue with my answer, and they will, will cut all so of that ridiculous like <laughs> To be fair, that's true. Let's just leave it in. I don't mind looking like a fool. It's completely <laughs> fine. Um, so, I like I, I had a really I had a great I did have a really really great time at this conference actually because it felt really really like a, a a you know what when I describe Melbourne to people I say it's kind of like if you if you took San Francisco but kind of compounded it down to like something a little bit smaller and more like refined and like I kind of feel like that's what this conference was it kind of felt a little like it felt nicely small you could really engage with people it felt really authentic like it didn't feel overly polished or overly kind of cumbersome in terms of its its like festivities and its push and like it just felt really clean and comfortable i kind of liked it It was a homey kind of conference like i felt at home it was good well i also felt like everybody kind of wanted to make sure that everybody else succeeded and met the people that they wanted to meet and you know it was because there was also i think just more physical space even right at like mccormick 
it like also I think gave you like the the mental space to kind of think about things. And there there was so much content though. Oh yeah, um, the content was incredible. Like the the agenda list for such what is like you know a smaller conference compared to others was just immense. Um, I can I tell you a funny story though first, please. Um, I nearly got arrested whilst I was there. So um, I know <laughs> your jaws dropped. I'm like and I love I'm like that. what. <laughs> Not really. I'm massively over-dramatizing. So I made the stupid idea of deciding to walk. So I stayed a little bit further out mm-hmm. and I made I made a very terrible decision, which was on day one to walk to the conference because I'm like, I love exploring cities. I don't get to spend a lot of time in Chicago. So why not? A, I'm like, I'll go for a, a walk. Good, I think that's a great idea. I was in my uniform though, which of course for me is, uh, you know, a, a sweater and pants. Um, so it was, and it was bloody hot in Chicago. Um and uh, so that was that was a downside. But I also trusted Google Maps, which I've learned was a terrible plan. So I was walking. It took me through these down, like these weird pathways, like like on the side of highways and stuff. And I'm like, what is going on? This is clearly not where I'm meant to be. I kept looking at the map and it's like, no, 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 it's definitely taking me there. All right. Anyway, it directed me into like this underground car park thing to the McCormick place. And I was just like, this is dodgy, but at least it's air conditioned. So I suddenly had this like relief of, I feel like I'm definitely not meant to be here, but I'm going to go it's anyway. so I don't care. <laughs> exactly. It's air conditioned, so who cares? So I keep walking uh, and then this security guard pops out of a corner and just kind of goes, hey. And I'm like, hey, how are you? And I kept on walking. He's like, are you are you lost? I'm like, I'm just looking for McCormick Place. And I'm like, well, you're in McCormick Place. I'm like, Okay. So, like, how do I get to the conference? And he's like, well, which conference? So, it's like, oh, well, uh, the, the retail one. He just said, well, like, I guess you, like, the main entrance would have been better, but I guess you could keep going this way and turn right. And I'm like, all right, great. Unbeknownst to me and potentially that security guard, uh, President Joe Biden was speaking at McCormick Place that well, day. Well, you see, it was so funny. I was like, there were hundreds of people lined up in suits when I got there very early in the morning to help with opening remarks. And I was like, wow, I'm like, maybe, maybe people are attending or like a, just a different kind of group than like I understood to be. And I'm like, and then when I was like, oh, okay, that uh, makes so much sense. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers. That's mm-hmm. the one I think they're really speaking at. So I kept walking and then uh, a very heavily armed police officer kind of popped around a corner and just said, excuse me, sir, what are you doing down here? And I'm like, I'm trying to get to this conference. I'm clearly lost. I'm hel- holding up my Google Maps. And he's just like, I understand. I'm going to have to quickly check your bag, though. I'm like, okay. So <laughs> I'm standing here and there's this guy with like Secret Service on a badge written on front of him, uh, like on the front of his jacket. He's just like looking through my backpack and I'm like, oh, God, this is how this stupid ass Aussie <laughs> gets arrested in America for being a complete idiot. And he said, no worries. I'm going to just escort you through to the, the entrance in this way. He, I got through some weird back freight corridor entrance and then he escorted me inside and said, have a great conference. And I'm like, oh, oh I needed a drink. Oh, I, I don't know. I don't know if you experienced this because McCormick, for those of you who haven't been, it is like probably one of the largest conference centers I've been in and it's like it is huge as Andrew was saying right there's like multiple conferences going on at the same time with huge show floors so I was like you we were heading out Tuesday night or sorry Wednesday night for kind of a cocktail party and I'm like yeah I really don't want to take my like backpack with my laptop and my iPads let me go drop that off my room so I'm like talking to somebody and trying to like same thing like google maps it and I'm like you're, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm totally lost. And I wait, you're not gonna believe it. I'm like walking for 20 minutes and I look, I'm right back where I started. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you cannot make that It up. is, I, I was, it, now that I've been there though, like if I hadn't been there, I'd be like, oh, Deborah. But now that I've been there, I'm like, oh, that is so easy to do. 
Uh, the amount of times I went around in circles. It is monstrous, that place. It's, it's crazy. I was like, I finally just took to going to outside because I'm like, outside it all makes sense. In here, it's like such a labyrinth. And so I'm like, but it was it was really like quite, quite good. What, you know, what were some of the themes or topics that you took away? Um, I think um, the stabilization of ideas, I think, was really interesting. Like the fact that, you know, we, it was... Um, you know what, like I, we've had this conversation a lot before where we've talked about like it's nice to see over the course of three or four years that automation or robotics or whatever have gone from kind of crazy ambiguous idea to real and like real stories about it. And the there's no better example, I think, of the acceleration of innovation in retail than going to a show six months ago where I think, you know, you were talking about live streaming. A lot of people were kind of talking about the metaverse in like an ambiguous way and then well, what is it like six months later? Not even five months later. I'm I'm on the on the expo floor giving a live stream. Andrew was um, live streaming. I, th- I, I hope I, I don't have a picture of it somewhere too. No, it was well, it was really good. And when you think when you start to think about you know video content and you know the opportunity, even if because I think sometimes, especially if you can like look at this, even if you're like walking down the street, you can look at the slides, you can listen, and it's it's just contextualized in a completely different way. I mean, I've always thought from a learning perspective that there's a huge, because I, I also wanted to be just a little bit kind of less formal, right? Some of these mm. like education classes I've taken and I was like, you know, if I could just pop in, if I've got 15 minutes, if I've got five minutes, right? If I can learn something in that time, I mean, I would love, I'm sure that platform exists somewhere, but I was like, I would love that. Yeah, for sure. And it's because like there is, because there is just so much to take in. The, the other thing that I really liked was the engagement. Like I opened, I would, I think I broke the rules. I don't know whether I was meant to, but I did it anyway, where I, every, I hosted a couple of panel sessions and I just opened it up to the audience and everyone was so willing to kind of just announce, like there was even some really tough, curly questions being asked of my panelists, which made me feel a little guilty if I'm honest, but um, like, but people were just so willing to engage. It was really cool. It was really interesting to watch. Um, this kind of relaxed atmosphere that everyone felt really at home to kind of just have deep, you know, hard conversations. Um, you know, one of them, if I can share the story, I was on a panel with um, Aaron Hochstein uh, and uh, Vanessa Boboni Halleck from Another Tomorrow and House of LRC, not respectively. I maxed, I did that the wrong way around. But anyway, two fabulously talented humans, incredibly smart. And we had a really great and rich discussion they were talking about sustainability, some end-to-end supply chain stuff. Vanessa in particular has pretty much farmed a cotton t-shirt on shelf, tracked everything completely transparently and, and made it available to the end, end buyer, um, including resale, by the way. Um, it's an incredible story of how she did it. But the, the, you know, the audience was then just going, I've just been on your website and you don't have inclusive sizing. Tell me about why you've made that decision. And they both were just so willing to say, you know what, wow. we're not doing a good enough job here. And, and you're right, we need to do it. It's hard. And it's hard to be right in every area, but that's a fair challenge and we should take it on. Like just this willingness to have hard conversations. I reckon we've avoided that in the past. I reckon retail has been a keep the superficial, make shoes polished, don't ask hard questions, don't answer hard questions kind of space. And I think we're getting more and more willing to be courageous and kind of ask harder questions and test each other and hold our feet to the fire. I think that was really cool. That was really cool. But I also think that the I have I have to kind of commend the audience member who asked that because right a lot of questions that are on people's minds you know having that kind of feel, feeling safe to ask maybe what could be a, a tough question I think is also says a lot about the conference itself but also a lot about right and I think I, I think that, like I actually feel that the change is that 
from a time perspective, right? We, we all realize now like how valuable our time is. If we're going to go to an event, right? We're going to kind of get a few, we're going to go in with a few key questions and try and get them answered. And we're going to kind of look in, in, you know, around every single corner to get that done. And so I, I think that there's a lot to be said around that. I agree. And it's, um, I, I, what I heard there was that, Andrew, your moderation was so brilliant that the room felt safe to ask any questions. Is that what you were saying? I just want to make sure. No, just, I'm kidding. I'm just being stupid. Um, no, the, 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 I agree with you completely. The fact that people do feel safe, I think they did create that kind of level. It didn't feel pompous, I think is probably the best way to describe it. It didn't feel like there was this ceremonial welcoming of the, you know, the elite to the stage and all you plebs are blessed to listen, which a lot of conferences do. Obviously, I'm exaggerating, but that's kind of how it feels. Plus, especially when they're bigger, like having a smaller conference actually meant you could feel a bit more comfortable raising your hand and asking that question. You know, I have a favorite saying a coach of mine used to always say was there's, there's no such thing as a stupid question except the one that isn't asked. And I, I kind of love that philosophy. And I kind of felt that that came through a lot in any session that I attended. Yeah, I, I think that the, um, you know, this idea that everyone's starting to kind of think ahead towards holiday and what that's going to look like. And, you know, with inflation at whatever rate you may think it's going to be and some of the challenges we still have in supply chain. Although think about the fact that most of these retailers will have bought product, let's call it January to March at a very different inflation rate than probably what they'll be selling it at. So could once again be incredibly um, good margins, right? For sure. And I think it's it's going to be interesting to see how the market reacts. Obviously, interest rates went up a quarter of a percent in the last week and a half, whatever it was. Um, and th- I think the there's a big difference between the US and other markets based on essentially the, the money that was thrown out around trying to overcome, you know, thrown into the marketplace in, during COVID and the pandemic to try and um, overcome some of the challenges people are facing compared to other markets. But other markets, the you know, interest rates have gone up and it hasn't really made a huge dent in the inflation numbers. They've kind of continued to stay at the same level. So I assume, therefore, it's either going to stay, there's going to be the same here where it's, you know, this interest rate rise won't have a big impact on it. If anything, it may continue to grow. Um, so it's going to be, it's going to be fascinating, but you're right. Like the margin, the margin thing is, I, I'm also interested to know what are people going to do with it? Extra margin equals, you know, extra non-working capital potentially. What are retailers no, going to spend I, it on? Well, I think that that, that's actually what's the most interesting is like I've said to people, there's a lot of dry powder out there. And, you know, I think we've seen, you know, I mean, it could be live streaming, it could be metaverse. I do think that a lot of them are rethinking their whole like infrastructure and, you know, without doing an ERP, right? What is, what does that look like? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, there's a lot, a lot of friction around payment. I think I heard that probably at least a dozen times while I was there. Oh yeah. And so I think that they're, and I actually, I have this whole, I, I, I believe that everyone's looking for that like standard so that if they make the decision and it doesn't end up being the right one. They're like, well, like everyone in the industry is using, you know, this for that. I started to feel more of that than I felt in a long time because I think that everyone has got massive decision fatigue. And so this idea that I have to make it another decision on another vendor, right? Like, tell me, you know, who who are our competitors using? And then we'll just select that one. I agree. and uh, But that worries me deeply because that just means that we're going to choose big tier one providers that, are, you know, and it's all going to become the same one and then experiences aren't going to be differentiated. And I think, 
Like, I'm, I, that worries me a little bit. Like, innovation's not meant to be about picking the enabler first. It's meant to be about picking the problem statement you're going to solve or picking the thing that you want to do, the new experience you want to create. And I'm, like, I am nervous that people will kind of worry that this money is not going to be around or there's going to be questions asked about it later. So, I need to hurry up and kind of commit to do something big. Um, it's just not the right way around. But you're right. It's going to happen. No doubt we'll be talking about this in six months' time going, hey, you notice how everyone changed their- payment provider to this one payment platform and the whole world ended? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that that, I, I think that there are also, I mean, just even some of what I'm seeing from like a drone solution perspective, right? This idea that, right, if you have products that you're selling that are like under five pounds, that, right, we can get it delivered to the consumer. And there's that whole, I mean, you can call it shop retainment, you can call it whatever you want, but it's just like kind of cool, right? If I can like watch oh, my yeah. product coming to me like, you know, and you don't then have the gas price mm-hmm. added in. You know, it was funny. I was like, I was talking to somebody, we were in Chicago, right, for the conference. And I'm like, you know, this is such a great city and real estate prices are so reasonable. I was like, you should move here. And so we should like, look at real estate and everything on the way to the airport. And so, because this person, you know, like many of us New Yorkers doesn't drive. And so I'm like, I'm like, I don't think you need to have like a car here. And, you know, because we were talking about too, so the, the whole reason I bring this up, if you're starting to think about like, you know, if you're paying for gas, just like, you know, especially if you're thinking about moving, like, how do you figure that in, right? With, you know, mm-hmm. gas, at least now like in upstate New York, like north of $6 a gallon, that's, that's high. It's yeah, absolutely. And like, you throw in the cost of the car, throw in insurance, throw in all that stuff, like that should come into your calculation. And it's, you know, historically, that's why we've demanded higher prices in cities. You've got convenience, you've got low, you know, less other costs. So we can, and everyone wants to be here, so we can charge kind of a fortune for it. There might be some normalization. I actually think I'm going to tie those two points together. I actually think smaller cities will be the ones where people go rather than the big ones. And I think also that's the coolest place to try things like drone shipments because you've got, you know, you don't have to, you've got less buildings to accidentally crash into. Um, or at least high ones, so you've got a you know a better chance of making auto- autonomous drone delivery work. Um, you did trigger the thought though. Like my dog loves to sit on the, I'm, my office is on the second level of our house, and she loves to sit on the window and stare out and watch and bark at the delivery driver every time they arrive. I cannot wait to see how she freaks out when a drone comes and delivers me a box of something. <laughs> That's something I want to see. I'll record it. I love that. I love that. So what you know? What's your next event that you're going to? And you know what are you doing there? I'm heading to Australia, actually, for a series of uh, customer events hosted by Microsoft, and I'm excited for that for multiple reasons. I get to go there uh, to my home country and hang out with my family who I haven't seen for three bloody years. So that'll be fantastic. It's in the middle of winter, though, but um, I won't complain. Um, It'll be nice to get home. What What is winter like in terms of temperatures in Fahrenheit? Um, oh, Fahrenheit! Don't ask me in Fahrenheit. That's a that's a that's a that's way too difficult a calculation to work out in your head. Um, do you want me to go on my rant about why Fahrenheit is a terrible measurement for temperature? Go, I won't go for really. it. No, I won't. I won't really. <laughs> um, no, winter's not too bad. Like Sydney and up. So Sydney's like you know the uh, kind of um, I'll call it the midpoint. It's not really. It's a bit lower than that, but. Sydney up is kind of, it's winters are fine. They're not too terrible. I'd, you know, um, but Melbourne, where I'm from, gets pretty chilly. It gets down to, it's still above freezing. I'm, you know, I'm talking to a New Yorker here, so I can't really, what is chilly for me would be a fantastically warm day for winter for you. Um, but uh, so, yeah, no one's, no cities get snow really. Uh, but mind you, the way the climate's going, who knows? Um, things might change. But 
it's um it's uh it's it's pretty it's pretty calm to be fair so Summer's how, a win it's how long are you there and you know what do you hope to get out of it i'm uh, i'm there for eight days and i'm actually really i feel um disconnected a little bit you know i grew up that's my retail home market so i know it i feel like i know it to my core but more and more i see stories or if i'm working with an australian client like i hear about how stuff's changing there and it's, i feel kind of almost a little bit disconnected from it so i'm really excited to get back and just see what's happening like australia is like geographically very different to the us we kind of all clump around cities you know, our four, our, our, you know, our four, five-ish biggest cities are kind of 90 percent of the population. So, um, like the the retail scene there is incredibly different. To you know, it's more like a, a New York style scene than it is the, the more you know. There's less of the rural stuff like we have here in the US. So, I'm I'm really interested just to go see what's happening. We've you know, we Australia innovated in payments years ago, so that'll be boring. Um, but it'll be interesting just to see how, you know, they've reacted in different ways. The CBDs in particular, the CBDs copped a really hard time during COVID, particularly in Melbourne with some of the longest lockdowns on the planet. So I'm intrigued to go see that. But of course, like my old brands, the brands I've worked for and worked with when I was in Australia, I can't wait to get back into their stores and get my fingers back on the pulse. What's what's the next event you're speaking at? Speaking, good question. Uh, I'm in fact next week. I'm speaking at a British retail. It's a virtual event, but it's a British retail consortium event um, online, which I'm really excited about. I've not, I haven't spoken with them before, um, and we're talking about um, just this, you know, the the reemergence of physical and how to start filtering down to the best ideas. What do you really need to be focused on for your physical experiences? Well, it's actually funny though that you're talking about physical and you're going to be virtual. Uh, yes, <laughs> that's Sorry, a very iron- good point. The irony there <laughs> is, is uh, high. Good point. Trust, don't don't get me wrong. Trust me, I'd much prefer to be in London, um, but uh, maybe next time. But um, yeah, no, it, it'll be fun. I'm really looking forward to getting connected with a few of the, the British retail teams and see what they're coming up with. You know, the list is exciting. They're all the brands that I've looked up and read about, you know, Marks and Spencer and um, you know Selfridges and all those kinds of brands. So I'm really excited to to have a chat with them and see what's going on in their part of the world. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say I think that they're, um, you know, they in some cases, especially from a UK perspective, obviously, because there's a lot of other dynamics happening geographically, right, with regards to tourism and whatnot, and having to kind of draw on their, you know, their own population for sales, right, that's that's a real change. So I, I think it's a very interesting retail market, and there's always a lot to learn, and, you know, Right now, much of Europe is being impacted by Xi'an, right? The the Chinese, uh, you know, specialty retailer. Let's uh, you know, kind of almost lifestyle. I guess you know, probably put it um, between those two. And so, it is unbelievable the growth that they've seen, but also I think the impact that they've had. And I would say fifty percent of my conversations in the U.S. people still don't know who they are, and I'm like, mm-hmm. I think that you know. You should you should probably get to know them because it's only going to be a matter of time, mind you. Like different market perceptions and like of branding, particularly of a Chinese brand, you know, entry into the US is a little more difficult than it is potentially in the UK and parts of Europe. But well, they haven't done, they haven't done any branding really. I mean, that's mm. the thing that they don't have physical stores. I mean, it's it's all in my opinion been like word of mouth. Yeah, and you know when you consider that they're bigger now than like Zara in the US, I mean they are. And what I think going back to actually it's interesting your your earlier comment around inclusivity, 
that's that's like what they stand for is this idea around like inclusive size. And I, I feel like they've done a phenomenal job of making every consumer feel like they have product from a price perspective and from a size perspective. And that's hard to do, especially oh yeah. With a you know, with with a with a meager marketing budget. Yeah, it's it's hard to do authentically. Lots of people kind of superficially do stuff to try and make a statement more than it, like it becomes a marketing campaign more than a, a legitimate, authentic, like ranging decision. Whereas, um, you know, brands that do do it, like Shein, like they, they, that's core, it's in their core, it's in their DNA. That's kind of how they operate. Um, so yeah, you're right. Hey, who knows? You, you, you should be charging commission potentially. We'll see we'll radically be growing their US in, uh, market. I mean, I think they've, I, I mean, the, the concern, of course, is, you know, they, they I think, have had an impact on the U.S. I think that additional growth will start to impact more of those who have also a physical component. And so it's definitely, sure. and, you know, it's interesting. So the next conference I'm going to, I'm going to be at uh, ICSC Las Vegas, which used to be called Recon. And speaking on, um, of course, about the metaverse, and there's there's so <laughs> I've got much. I've a question ha- for you about the metaverse in a second. There in the physical world, it's unbelievable, right? Where you know retailers can use the exterior of their their buildings for AR and advertising, a whole different source of revenue. And then on Tuesday, I'm speaking about drones and drone delivery. And so I get, I'm like, I'm like, it's like the best conference ever because I get to talk about all my favorite topics. So, um, <laughs> you know, and the thing is, I'm like. I'm packing the extra comfy shoes because I'm like everything for that conference is so spread out on the strip. And so, you know, not sure how easy it'll be to like get, a, you know, get transportation, but I'm like, yeah, I'll just put on some shoes and put on the miles. You'll, uh, the, the advantage of walking around Vegas is you're never going to be bored because of the people watching. Like you're, there's always some of the, like the most intriguing humans on the planet all collated in, collected in one place. So you never get bored. I'm happy to just look at the architecture. I'm like, I, I have to go out running super early in the morning and it's like me and my running shoes. And I'm like, it's just like unbelievable when you, I mean, it's like, it's like adult Disney world there. Right. I mean, it's like, yeah, it's just sure. fun to like watch everything. And so much, I have to say there's, there's been a lot that's changed there too, in terms of new hotels and other attractions. So. I agree. Um, it's an interesting play. I always had this negative perception of, well, no, I shouldn't say negative, but just like this generalized pers- perspective, uh, perspective of Vegas. And like I got there and I'm like, you know, if you, there's obviously all of that too. Like there is all of the stuff that you kind of assume, um, but there's so much incredible like things to see. Like there's, there's so many, there's just, they're everywhere. And it's like, it's, it is a, an eyesore. Um, the, Do you the, remember your, when was your, when I actually, I remember, what was your first trip to Vegas? My first trip to Vegas was in, oh gosh, 2013, probably for CES. I was flying over from uh, Australia as a representative of Telstra, the telco over there. And was it was my first ever trip to Vegas. And I, um, again, I was like, I don't, I, I kind of came in with like, I'm just going to a conference. After that, I'm going to New York for NRF. So it's like, that was where my heart was for the trip. Like I couldn't wait to get to New York. It was also going to be my first trip to New York, by the way. Um, and I was just enthralled by that part of the trip. But then I got to Vegas and I was basically a kid just kind of going, wow, whoa. It was like, it just, it blew my mind The like the, the theater. It is just, it, it absolutely blew my mind. And I, I really like it. I, as I said, there's all of the stuff that you know is bad is there, of course, but just ignore it and focus on the cool bits. I gotta tell you, I think I'm, 
I can't believe this like memory came rushing back to me. I think I was there in like 2003 for the CEO founder of Reflexus um, asked me if I could speak at like their customer event. Uh, he, uh, his name is Prashant Palakurti and they've since been sold to Zebra. But I remember he put me up or the conference at the Venetian, right? And you have those like the, those rooms where you're like, oh my, I was like, I was like, thank you so much. It's such a great room. And he's like, oh, he's like, do you have a start? I'm like, oh, it's like, he's like, oh, that's every room here. And I'm like, well, I said, thank you so much still. Like, I was like, but I was like that going back to, I was like, I was so amazed. And then just the, he did such a great job because it was also, right, you know, you're used to speaking at, you know, kind of conferences, but having this be all of his own, right, basically this user summit and just seeing like the passion that people had about the product, it was, yeah, it was really quite interesting. And so, yeah, I've been, oh gosh, I've been at, yeah, I started going to CS not long after that when I was an analyst at City, and you know, CS will be interesting. I think it'll, to me, I've been thinking about this a lot because it's where, like we're starting to plan our calendar for next year. I wonder what CS will be like and what NRF will be like in twenty three, just because those were the conferences that obviously had the the biggest impact because of like the Omicron variant this year. I agree. I, I think because I mean. Especially, I mean, see, yes, for sure. Um, NRF definitely, hand, they both handled it differently um, in terms of like the response to people. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think like the, the size, the sheer size of both of them, I assume they're both, they're going to be bullish and go all in on a big event and probably call it the comeback um, or something similar. I, th- I feel like they will get pretty bullish. Yeah, I'm. I'm sure they will. I mean, I think that we also learned, right, that that there are other ways that we can do things. I mean, I was I was at both events, and I mean, being at CS was amazing because I mean, you still had like, I mean, there were like upwards of forty thousand people there. So, well, it was not the hundred eighty-two thousand the last time I was there. It was still like a very well attended event, and I thought the content. You know, they usually charge you for all of these kind of sub conferences. They they didn't, and so. It was you know, from a content perspective. It was it was excellent. I actually thought the content at NRF, and there were right the the really early stage startups. Actually, at both conferences. I don't know if I thought about that. Both right, like the Eureka Park for CES, and then the like very you know kind of the very back of the kind of bottom hall for NRF. Those early stage companies, let's call them like they've raised a seed round, maybe a, a you know kind of a, a small A that's where like the, they were like really vibing. And I think that they were also even just, what I love is it was that like, oh, we, we don't only just want to talk about ourselves to potential clients. We want to like learn about others here who we can partner with. And that to me is always like that excitement at, you know, kind of the very early stages. That, and, and Shop Talk too. Those like the, I, th- I think they called it Startup Street or whatever. Like all, yeah, they were by far the most buzzing places to be and were always my favorite to go to. Like, you know how CES used to, I haven't been for a couple of years. Uh, well, obviously, I haven't been for a couple of years pre-COVID either. Um, like, they had this, they're quite separate spaces for mm-hmm. this huge startup floor, but then the main floor, which is just mind-blowingly ridiculous. Um, and I, I actually got more out of CES than NRF as a retailer, but that's a story for another time. Um, the, but yeah, the startup floors were absolutely buzzing. If I was on the board, the advisory board of either of those, I would upweight the attention that I give those spaces and create something more than just tiny cheap booths. 
Like, I think that community feel that you describe, you felt it. You walked through. It's like you would talk to one person in one booth and like, you know what? You should actually talk to this guy down here. He's great. Oh, and she's brilliant over here. You need to talk to her. They're amazing over here. Come and talk to them. And like, it was, it just, it did give that beautiful community vibe of this startup slash scale up space. And I know I'd upweight that because that feeling is incredibly powerful. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. It's not something that we, we do per se at Coresight, but we've had for, you know, kind of a few of the past years is, you know, executive assets. Can you, you know, we're interested in this topic. Can you kind of walk us through the show floor? And I was like, I'm also interested in that topic. We can just, you know, I, I, we can do this together, right? Always better in numbers. And, you know, you start to realize what like a labyrinth it is. And, but like at the same time, like that whole like discovery is, is truly kind of like, you know, when you, when you walk out of like one of these shows and you've got like these kind of these diamonds in the rough or, or when you're able to even like pick the ones that really like knock the cover off the ball, that is, that's so satisfying. And it's so often luck too. Like I admire, as a socially anxious introvert, I admired walking the floor with you because you would just be like, hey, what are you? What do you do? Tell me about it. Can I have a candy? Like, <laughs> um, was, it was like, partly was- I, I know it was just for the candy and you were probably being polite. But even so, we had a really, we had some really cool conversations with people who actually have some pretty cool stuff. And like that, the it is luck though. Sometimes you're going to get stuck in a 20 minute conversation you don't want to be part of. Sometimes you're, you know, you're going to find a a, a gem. Um, some way, there's got to be some way. Someone smarter than me will work out a way that you can actually kind of make the floor more accessible like that for everybody, including people like you who are just willing to walk up and go tell me a story, and people like me who just walk the shop floor going, hi, <laughs> yeah, head down trying I'm to avoid eye contact. I'm looking for candy. Yeah. <laughs> so candy and little fuzzy animals like to when bring home. When you're as busy as you are, candy is the only thing that fuels you during oh these gosh. conferences. I'm like, so I get it. I keep it out of like my house apartment, whatever. I'm like, but like when when it's out there, I'm like, this is like the best thing ever. I don't even need <laughs> coffee those days. Just like the little tiny, you know, anything, anything that has like, you know, begins with an S and ends with R and has UGA in the middle is all good. So, <laughs> all right. So. Word to the wise, what's on your mind so that we can like think about next week? Oh, good question. Actually, I was going to ask you today, but we can hold it off. Uh, Creighton Barrel announced yesterday they've appointed a senior vice president of the metaverse. And I have quest- I have questions. I think we're going to see, right, these I th- you know, chief metaversian officers or chief metaverse officer, although then you have like a lot of CMOs in your organization. Because what we're finding, right, is that and live streaming nobody owns it. And so mm-hmm. live streaming in some cases has started to fall under marketing more, but is that really the the place for it? Because you're, I mean, if you're just using it for marketing, but I think ultimately it should be one of your largest sales channels. And the same thing with metaverse, because I think there, there are so many directions to go, but to have one person, I mean, you know, I think, I think actually we've seen a good, a, We've seen a lot of retailers are doing a great job with like their chief innovation officer, their chief transformation officer who's owning that, or even like in some cases a CIO. And I think that we've seen very strong success, but I did think that that was a very interesting kind of step forward. And I'm sure we'll see others follow very quickly. But think about the furniture industry, right, has been the first from like to really use AR in a significant way, right? Because I mean, furniture is like the biggest mistake you can make. And so it does make sense that you would see, right, all of these guys, you know, moving in that direction. 
Agreed. So I think that's our topic next week. Let's discuss where should it live? Because I also have like a view of like humans compartmentalize. That's what we do. So we always, I have a new challenge. I'll just appoint a chief new challenge officer, you know, digital officer, customer officer, when customer experience became real, all of that stuff. It's, it's so it's interesting. Sometimes it works. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes it ends up getting amalgamated back with other, you know, more traditional views of how we run a business. Sometimes it creates completely different customer experiences that actually end up being a problem for us. So I think there's like, I want us to debate, which is the best way to do it. I I want us to debate. I'm actually going to try and pull a list of all of the C-suite titles because- <laughs> Oh, that'll and, be fun. And I think we should go back and look at like, you know, 2000 what what was there and now in the year mm-hmm. 2022 how because that i think will tell us a lot i mean i think that to get a decision made is incredibly difficult which explains so much of what's happening in retail because there are now instead of like five in the c-suite there's now like 15 to 20 mm-hmm. um which you know keeps me employed not gonna lie so let's not <laughs> let's not give them all the answers um some let's, of the answers they need to pay not, for, Deborah. Yeah. <laughs> let's not throw any stones at anything. It's all good. Hire <laughs> another fifteen. We want like a small startup as your like. Flat structures work. We're fine. Exactly. As long as you're doing, as long, if you're acting like an actual leader and all you're doing is creating space for the fabulous humans under you, hey, you'll have all the time in the world. Doesn't matter how many direct reports you got. I love it. I love it. All right, with that, everyone, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Retailistic. As always, we explore everything between the intersection of retail, technology, real estate, supply chain, and of course, metaverse. Thanks for joining us. Please like, subscribe on your podcast channel of choice. Andrew and I are signing off. Have a great day. Ciao for now.